0: Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. It's the final hour of the programming this week. We're always available on the Odyssey app on the go. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and sports talk because it gives you the ability to pause the show, run some errands, rewind right, and pick up right where you left off. Uh, we've got a lot still to get to on this show today. JMU got that monster win over Marshall on ESPN. Dave Riggert's the voice of the Dukes, he'll join us at 2.30. I've got to give out my official prediction for Commander's Giants and my lock of the week for our Odyssey NFL Survivor Pool. Plus, Stubb has something he wants to call me out on. I mean, he's been working with me two months, and now it's already an open mic policy, I guess, on this program. Uh, But joining us right now to go through all of the best games in the National Football League on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's Benjamin Brown. What's going on, Ben?
1: What's up, Epstein? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good Week 7 slate, I would say, for, so thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. So each week on the program, I give out AWOD Certified Game of the Week, guaranteeing football fans around the country will enjoy this game, no matter if your team is in it or not. And most people would have thought, oh, he's going to go with Dolphins-Eagles. That's the obvious yep. answer. Nope. I went with the Detroit Lions, the 5-1 and fighting Dan Campbell's Lions at the Baltimore Ravens. What do you think about that? I mean, I love it. I was
1: actually going to say, I think popular opinion would very much be Eagles, Dolphins, Sunday night football. But I would agree with you, honestly, the marquee matchup, at least as far as like figuring out some things about a team that we maybe aren't quite certain on right now, it is the Detroit Lions versus the Baltimore Ravens. I do still think Ravens offensively very much still have some question marks on how they're going to move the ball if they don't get like a lamar jackson you know really strong performance i don't think that dave flowers has necessarily been you know 100 the answer to their passing game situation so i think you know with where they kind of stack up against the detroit lions team that's been very much better than expected especially defensively like there are a lot of really intriguing storylines and angles coming out of this match but i do think it is the one that i am you know most excited about to watch on week seven so i'm in agreement with you Chargers-Chiefs, you know, could be really interesting as well. So it's nice that we get at least a little bit of a, you know, spaced out action for each slate, having one marquee game and we don't necessarily have to care about a ton of the rest of the other games, I would say, you know, coming up in those specific time slots, for sure.
0: Well, let's start by recapping that Thursday night football game. Jags beat the Saints 31-24, to and Trevor Lawrence came back from that knee injury, looked really solid. Travis Etienne, Christian Kirk, they got a ton of weapons offensively. And I opened the show by saying, hey, we just talked about the Lions. I think they get into the postseason and win a game, and the Jags get into the postseason and win a game.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I, I think obviously like seeing Trevor Lawrence take this additional step is very much you know uh, I would say benefit. But like you said, like they have a ton of weapons. Travis Etienne is a guy that is very much kind of I would say coming into his own from a, from a from a from a from a rushing perspective, but also has gotten quite a bit done for the passing game as well. I think he adds a pretty interesting element to this you know offense. So it doesn't seem like they need a ton from Kelvin really, I would say to be really efficient, and I do think that. You know, given the rest of the state of the AFC that very much has probably experienced a little bit of a drop off or maybe just underwhelming performances to the first six weeks of the season. I do think the Jags are in position to win, you know, a really down division set themselves up really well and probably be like the third or second seed in the AFC. When they do that, you know, they're going to be a pretty heavy favorite, I would say in that wild card game. And when they do win that, uh, I do think they could make some noise going into a place like the chiefs and going into a place like Buffalo and potentially giving them their best game. And I do think that's kind of what we saw the makings of last season and the hope in the off season was very much. They take that additional step, but, does feel like, especially after last night's performance, uh, that they've arrived, I would say, you know, kind of ahead of a schedule for sure. Ben,
0: you're our data and analytics guy. Have you dove into the stats surrounding Sam Howell's sack issue with the Commanders this season?
1: <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, and, and it's a, you know something that I think in a lot of ways has weighed on, you know, just big wide scoring in general, but we are seeing a really high sack rate. In the 2023 season i think it's like the highest we've seen it basically from the past like two decades worth of games basically through the first six weeks of the season so it's not just i would say washington commander's issue but i I do very much think that you know it it is kind of the reason why you know people like you know guys that i work with eric eager and those sorts of people very much probably think that sam Howell is more of a you know long-term backup at the nfl level than starting quarterback i think that maybe oversimplifies the problem i know that You know, sack rate and pressure and those sorts of things are stable from year to year, but I still think there are opportunities that, you know, a guy like Eric Biennemi could provide to Sam Howell to maybe alleviate some of those sack rates and those high leverage type situations that are just not breaking correctly for Washington because it does seem like they have playmakers and they have had enough, I would say, high-level type explosive plays where they can maybe circumvent some of the the, the downside risk of the sack rate that they're experiencing right now. But I think overall it's been weird that we've seen, you know, a pretty consistent pressure rate from where we've been at the past five to ten seasons. But what has become is, you know, uh, quarterbacks, especially under duress, are are, are falling victim to much higher negative type plays than what we've seen in years past and a much higher conversion of pressure to actual sacks. And I think that's the thing that, you know, Sam Howell, in particular, probably has to figure out if he does want to have a long-term, sustained success being a starting-level NFL quarterback.
0: Benjamin Brown with us here on the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hotline. What's going on in New England? There's no chance they get their first home win of the season, right? I've I got the Bills in our survivor pool.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you. I mean, I've been I've been waiting for this demise since you know Tom Brady uh, left <laughs> town, so I very much you know enjoyed the final you know finally you know, seeing, you know, Bill Belichick maybe not necessarily be exposed, but uh, just, you know, what Bill, what Tom Brady actually provided to this team for so long. And, and I think some of the misses that they've had from a draft class perspective are obviously playing into what they've done now, but they obviously haven't really hit on a ton of draft picks recently. They haven't hit on a ton of pre-agent acquisitions recently. And I do think they are very much kind of setting up to be maybe the team that has to bottom out the furthest and the longest in order to actually get back to some respectable nature where they can maybe contend for an AFC playoff spot. But that still feels like, you know, I would say almost like a half decade away at this point, because Mac Jones is just not the solution at quarterback and they just don't have a strung of, you know, I would say a ton of strong capabilities outside of maybe a few guys rushing the passer and one or two guys in the secondary. But I still think, you know, from a playmaker's perspective, They have one of the least talented rosters in football right now, and I think it's going to take a long time to kind of get away from the situation that they've created for themselves.
0: It's week seven of the NFL season, and the trade deadline's coming up in about 10 days. Do you have any idea who the first head coach is that's going to be fired? I have a feeling if the Broncos lose at home, there could be a major move there, either trading Russell Wilson or firing Sean Payton.
1: I mean, it seems like they have to do something, right? And yeah. and I think in some ways, you know, the marriage never made sense in a lot of ways, so, but I would still be surprised if it was, you know, Sean Payton kind of being that first head coach fired. So to me, I don't know. I'm still on the Matt Eberflus bandwagon where he's probably going to be the first guy fired. It does seem like if they are going to go through this full-on rebuild and move on from Justin Fields, they very much want a guy at the center of that that isn't, hasn't been here in the previous regime. So I think he's probably the guy that I would – expect to be the first one fired but there are you know i would say a decent amount of candidates coming up already um it would be shocking but um i do think you know bill belichick moving on from new england is at least something that should be discussed as we move closer to the end of the season i don't think it's going to happen in season but it very much could be a possibility where we see a mutual separation of those two parties happening, maybe sooner rather than later as well. But for me, my mind is on the Bears. I do think they probably are going to be the first one getting rid of their head coach.
0: Alright, let's get to the primetime game Sunday night, 8-20 on NBC. The Dolphins travel to the link in Philadelphia to face off against the Eagles. Both teams, 5-1. and one. What's your breakdown of this matchup?
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, in a lot of ways it does feel like the, the Eagles need to do one of two things. They need to get a decent amount of I would say high leverage type plays defensively things where they are going to get one or two turnovers or they're going to need to be able to have a more explosive I would say offense than what they've shown so far I think they're like 12th in EPA per pass rate so far this season to me that's just not enough I would say to keep pace with the Miami Dolphins and what they're kind of doing from an offensive standpoint so unless they win the turnover battle or generate a decent amount of you know explosive plays offensively, which they have not been doing whatsoever, I do think it's going to be the dolphins in a little bit of a show out kind of spot. Uh, you know the one spot that maybe the Eagles can win it is you know the one spot where the dolphins have kind of struggled is with a really good pass rush that you know can bring a number of different guys in different positions and really generate some of that pressure and We saw that a little bit with you know, the Dolphins slipping up against the Buffalo Bills and kind of being exposed from that end. But if the Eagles can't really generate that pressure, I do think it's going to be a long day for Philadelphia Eagles fans. And, I'm, and my money's on the Miami Dolphins. I want to bet on... I want to bet on good offenses. I want to bet on explosive play type offenses. And nobody fits the bill out there better than Miami Dolphins right now.
0: For more of an inside look at NFL stats, follow Benjamin Brown on Twitter, NFL data scientist and a, contrip, a content contributor at Pinnacle. It's Ben underscore R underscore Brown underscore. Thanks a lot, man.
1: Yep. Thanks. Have a great show.
0: Yep. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM. If you're enjoying this show and you want to support us, download the podcast. Alright? We get credit for all the podcast downloads. Stub as a Great job working hard putting these podcasts together so each hour of the show is available and it's got a great description so you know, oh, this is the Richmond Commander, this is Netflix and so such. And then we put on a best of hour of AWOD Radio. Uh, the best four segments every single day is available for you on your ride home at 4 p.m. Stub, happy Friday, man. Yeah. Made it through. This was a, a tough week. This was a big
2: week for me. Do it four and a half hours on the board Yeah, <laughs> right yeah, now.
0: Yeah. I know. I, I like when I-, I get to you myself, right? When Michael <laughs> Phillips gets his own producer, and I can have you work on some production stuff. But uh, double duty this week, filling in to produce uh, the Michael Phillips show, and he was on the road, out and about, doing a show from a golf tournament. So it it feels like a Friday, right? Like yeah, it feels like we worked hard this week. We both deserve a beer.
2: Yeah, for. ready to ready to get some food yeah. after this.
0: Yeah, and Before- there's a lot to do uh, in Richmond this weekend. Yeah,
2: we 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 both have. A lot of plans. Yeah,
0: I'm going to go to River City Roll for the Shuck and Roll. And then I think it's the Pumpkin Festival is right at Bon Secours. So I can hit both of those. They're right next to each other uh, at, in Scott's yeah. Edition. And I'm going
2: to hit the Tattoo and Art Festival yeah. that we heard about. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's I'm awesome. for that. So yeah, shout out to Jesse
0: Smith. He came in studio to promote it last week. Might hit the Shuck and Roll also. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Before we get in the segment, okay. I wanted to bring up that AWOD... Yes doesn't know how compasses work i think (laughs) we were we were earlier in the studio i was trying to show him figure out like where i lived in richmond because he wanted to know what restaurants i was nearby yeah and we you were trying to explain to me like like trying to figure out and like visualize to me and you're saying like east and west of vcu yeah and 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 it, nothing was making sense that you were saying, and I was like, I must be wrong. I haven't lived downtown for long. I know.
0: Well, here's the issue, is that when I lived on campus at VCU, all right, I lived in Oregon Hill, and so I had the Oregon Hill perspective of Richmond. Now I'm in Scott's Edition, so I only have the Scott's Edition perspective of Richmond. So when I come out of my apartment in Scott's Edition, and I say, hey, what's north? Uh, North is the fan that's north not is the museum you can't, apparently that's south. not. there's apparently only one south. north only, you am sorry I don't walk around with a we compass are, Mr. we don't you don't need a compass
2: you do not open like Google Maps to see where you're going well, why op- is it upside down I
0: open Google Maps all the time I just say, it tells me to go straight, left, right, up, we down. Have, it doesn't
2: tell me northeast. We have a map of Richmond in the studio <laughs> that we can look at, and Adam's trying to tell me that VCU is to the west of, like, well, of that's the why fan. That
0: map is going to be completely upside down next week, so then I'm right. Well, then all the,
2: <laughs> the words are going to be upside down. It's, <laughs> you,
0: <laughs> I didn't know you've been using that map. I haven't a, been a using direction. that
2: map, but it's right there. You you just told me that uh, I was north of you, uh, and that's wrong. Uh,
0: you know what? Can't you be like a good producer and just say, yeah, Adam, everything you say is correct. I love your hot takes. Man, you have such great foresight
2: on all these great sports news. I've been listening to like other shows when you're out and everyone's everyone is talking about how Sam Howell stops, needs to stop getting sacked except for you. Yeah, I know. And I haven't
0: told you you're wrong yet, but everyone that I hear that is says so that you're wrong. I, that's because I say sacks are not turnovers. He could be sacked more than anyone in the NFL. You know what I care about? Wins and losses and turnovers, and he's figured out how to not turn the ball over, and the boys are three and three. I appreciate I you <laughs> listening to other sports radio programs. I don't though. know enough to tell you you're
2: wrong yet, but everyone else is telling you, me that you you're heard wrong. All the
0: callers on Granddaddy. Yeah, Danny. Grand This Danny, damn offensive line can't protect Sam Howell. Michael Phillips. <laughs> everyone's saying that, so <laughs> I I
2: haven't weighed in on you yet, but
0: I'm. My I boy, don't know to believe you. Because my boy Sam Howell is going to figure out this sack issue. It is an issue that you can solve. I mean, my, my first week here, you gave me a Survivor Pool pick that was wrong. Yeah, well, so. I, but I, I, yeah, I know. I stole $5 from you. You did. Right, you, know? you did.
2: And then you stole five of Sachs' dollars <laughs> yeah, from me.
0: And you know what? Zach still needs to make his pick. Uh, and speaking of that, there are a ton of people in our league taking the Seahawks. And I'm going to zig when everyone else is, is zagging. All right. I'll give out my official pick coming up at 245. But right now, it's time to go around the world of Hollywood and entertainment. Stubbs' favorite segment of the week,
1: Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right.
0: I'll let you lead us off today with Netflix because you were talking all week about how much of a Scorsese fan you are, and I believe you went out to see Killers of the Flower Moon. I did. It was Scorsese Day for me and my friends. Uh, did, you, cu- did you watch another movie before this?
2: No. Okay. No, no, no. So uh, well, Scorsese I,
0: Day was just that it was, three-hour it, I mean, film. it was
2: a, I was in the theater for four hours, so that's a day. <laughs> Some would call that a day.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, and let me start with this because before you get to the review, I always like this whole setup here. Uh... You usually save money. Did you spend on popcorn or soda?
2: I did not. Okay. And I think I should have, because yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was four hours yeah, in the theater. But, yeah, that's kind of dry. You weren't
0: liquored up or anything.
2: No, 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 no. I drove. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, my buddy Tomas, he yeah. got some popcorn. Nice. My friend James, he got he, my roommate, the, yeah. the, the, the weird ice cream guy he yeah. got some weird candy he called it like a kazoodle what i is don't know that? what, what is apparently it, it was a sweet tart rope but he said they used to be called kazoodles so that's what he called them
0: if, did it look like a nerd rope because i love yeah, nerd yeah. Rope. It,
2: but like not with the nerds it was like a flat string yeah. and okay. they're both crunching yeah. and snacking it's this the quietest movie you've ever heard they're re- <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just hearing these two snacking away the whole <laughs> the whole time how comfortable were the seats it's fine. They were they're fine seats. They, Wait, you don't put your legs up, can you? No. Yeah. I Blacksburg, That's kind of my new rule. Blacksburg, they got the good seats. I got so spoiled the regal there. None of the regals in town have the nice seats. Yeah, they spoiled you at Virginia
0: Tech. They did. They really did.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so here, it's fine. This was a nicer one. This was kind of a crappy theater where it's pretty flat. Like the seats are flat. So Ooh. if it's full, so what you got a lot of heads in front of you. In? We were in the middle. I mean, there were three other people there not, yeah, That's compared it. to us. Yeah, it was a six-person.
0: But didn't you say this was like the most highly anticipated film of the year? I, I didn't
2: say that. <laughs> I mean, it's a Scorsese. They don't do great. I mean, it was Thursday at eight, so it was getting out at midnight. There's I'm sure be a more lot of people, people had
0: at Dune 2. That's so there will be, and that yeah. sucks. Yeah.
2: Uh, so there was like one guy in front of us, two yeah. old ladies in the back. Yeah. And it, you know, but I, I like an empty theater. I want to watch it to myself. I want okay. to pretend that it, I have the money to have my own big. So
0: nobody took their phones out in the middle no, of the movie. No, nope.
2: everyone was quiet. Well, the guy in front of us like was talking to himself every now and then. Like something happened in the movie, and he made a comment on it to himself. That damn, so. Leo, <laughs>
0: he's, he's unkillable.
2: <laughs> uh, All right, so, so let's get to your review. Um, this, I mean, I love pretty much every Scorsese movie I've seen. Save, I'm honestly not a big Wolf of Wall Street guy myself. This is another...
0: They're a little anti-Margot Robbie. No, uh, no, no.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. Did
0: you see the rumor that was going around that she did the scene where she's like telling Leo that they won't have sex? Pantyless? She did that scene pantyless? I think
2: I have heard that. Yeah. I think I've, I've heard the rumors.
0: Uh, Leo DiCaprio. Unbelievable. Part of that man right there. <laughs> <laughs> to, to not
2: just Doing loose, his best out there. To not there. just, you know, go off one script. Of, one of the best <laughs> actors. <laughs> um, so it, it's another classic. It it you If you want to see this movie you have to want to see this movie what do you mean it, by that it is sad it is slow Oof. it is three and a half hours long Oof. but so
0: so that's kind of like the whale because the, the whale I was so like depressed after I watched yeah,
2: it. but that it's like a tight 90. yeah like it's imagine if the you whale were all was in on the tight 90. the tight 90. <laughs> it's a good I love a tight 90. this yeah. was a tight 200
0: yeah
2: but you if you sit through it you learn a lot about the history of the Osage people and yeah. the the genocides against them, and watch some masterful filmmaking at work.
0: How good was Leo? Scale of one to ten.
2: Not my favorite Leo performance. Okay. Because he's he's kind of playing an idiot. Oh. An, an evil idiot. That's interesting. Yeah. He, so, he's
0: usually like a secret secret smart guy. Yeah.
2: No, not departed Leo here. Yeah. So not not my favorite Leo. All right. And um, stub,
0: you give out your ticket stubs here. Give know? out my
2: stubs. Four yeah. and a half stubs. Four and a four half. half stubs. Some stub.
0: Wow. Which even is even though it's not a tight ninety.
2: No. No, it, it earned it earned that four and a half. Wow. It, it had to work for it. And you yeah. have to work for it if you want to go.
0: Let me ask you this, because this is always a key question on whether or not I know it's a really good movie. Did you dream about it last night? Were you thinking about it when you were tossing and turning so in this, bed?
2: This is something sad about me. Yeah. Is I go to sleep and then I wake up. And you just don't There's dream. no dreams. I go to sleep and I wake up. There's nothing in between there.
0: You've never had a dream? It's
2: rare. Like, maybe, like, once every two months I'll yeah, have a dream. Yeah. But, I, and like, I, I dream, I just don't remember
0: it. All right. B- before you fell asleep, though, were you thinking about this movie at all when you got home? Or did you just okay. think about Spider-Man?
2: I wasn't because I was playing Spider-Man. Okay. And, and that kind of took uh, my attention What about attention this
0: morning? Have you thought about it at all?
2: Yeah, I've been I've been stewing on it. Okay. Because that's yeah. how I
0: know it's a good movie, if I can stew on it. Yeah, a it's, a, it's a stewer. All right. It's a stewer, stewer by for sure Stub. Alright, that that wasn't a tight 90, but we would like to keep my show a tight 11. Alright, we gotta go. We'll be right back. You're listening to AWOD on The Fan. Welcome back.
1: I'm Adam Epstein.
0: You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, always available on the go on the Odyssey app. It's the best app out there for radio, podcast, and music, because it's free, and it gives you the ability to pause the show, rewind, and then pick up Right where you're left off. If you're a member of the AWOD Army and you want to grab a drink and talk some football, I will be out at River City Roll this Saturday for Shuck and Roll. Uh, they're having an oyster festival. Uh, I watch college football there, love the pizza. There's a bunch of local chefs that are coming to town. Of course, there's going to be a ton of oysters. That's River City Roll, Shuck and Roll. Uh, this Saturday, there's also going to be an outdoor concert. And speaking of River City Roll, our next guest... Dave Rigert. I will always support Dave. He's a real one, a true professional, because Dave came to Football Festival this year. What's going on, Dave?
3: Hey, my man, how you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing pretty good, and the Dukes, man, having a great year. I was watching that game last night on ESPN, and I was watching with a bunch of JMU uh, friends at home team grill here in Richmond. And they all kept saying, how great is this? Because they all graduated, like around me, 2015, that we're on ESPN. Not ESPN2, not ESPNU. The Dukes were on ESPN against Marshall last night.
3: Oh, the one thing that that has been crazy here, really, I want to go back to probably the, uh, the Virginia game where they played on ESPNU. Then against Troy, they're on NFL Network. They went to Utah State, and that was on a digital platform. But since then, The last four games, ESPNU against South Alabama, ESPN2 against Georgia Southern, ESPN against Marshall, ESPNU next Saturday against Old Dominion. So they have uh, people are jumping on board this James Madison bandwagon. There's no doubt. And the coverage, this is part of why the administration wanted to move from FCS to FBS because of the exposure they are getting here in their first two years in the FBS. And obviously success certainly (laughs) helps, winning helps but they did not have this type of, of exposure in the FCS, even winning national championships. It's just different. It is. They knew it, and now they're they're reaping the the rewards right now of that. Dave Rickard is the
0: play-by-play voice of the James Madison Dukes, and they had the 20-9 to win over Marshall last night. McLeod was awesome through the air and running the ball. Reggie Brown had a, a monster game. But I think the story of the game was the Dukes' defense with eight sacks,
3: right? No question, and, and Jalen Green was a big part of that. Jalen's a guy that, you know, when he's played, he's produced, but he's always been behind guys. And honestly, if Isaac Ukwu does not transfer to Ole Miss after spring ball, Jalen Green's probably still a backup right now and getting limited reps. And he, he still would have played and, and, and been in the rotation, but he wouldn't have been starting. But he is getting a ton of reps now. He's playing almost every down. He's a, he's a three-down defensive end who can stop the run and get after the quarterback. He came into this season – having five sacks last night he had five sacks and he has 13 now in the first seven games Jalen leads the country leads all of college football at every level with 13 sacks the next closest is nine he is four ahead of the second place sack man so far here in the country he is putting up unbelievable numbers and if this trend continues he'll break the school record he tied the school record for a single game last night He could become a first-team All-American just because of the numbers he's putting up. And he's undersized. He may not get drafted, but he's going to make people think about it now. So he's having an unbelievable year. And this defense with eight sacks, uh, they were coming into the the game last night tied with Alabama third in the country in total sacks. That This will will put them up near the top now. And that at one point, they were number one. But this defense leads the country in rush defense. They, They were giving up 42 yards per game. They held Marshall to negative four. Obviously, sacks count in that but negative four, and that's the lowest total they've had since the 1980s. It was an unbelievable defensive performance last night for JMU.
0: Yeah, and Ethan Payne's a really good running back for Marshall, so impressive stuff from the Dukes there. And head coach Kurt Signetti after the game had a funny quote about how quick these sacks were. Like, he couldn't believe how quick they were getting past the offensive line.
3: Yeah, that's one thing. The offensive line for Marshall is enormous. They go 6'7", and 6'9". At their tackles. One of their guards is 6 7. They've got a backup that's 6 7. So they're big. They're, they're intimidating. But JMU had no trouble with it. They, they used their quickness, their athleticism to get around these guys and really had no trouble the entire night. So um, that's one thing that they thought they could take advantage of. And it, it played out that way in the game last night. Dave
0: Riggert with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, play-by-play voice of the James Madison Dukes. So Jordan McLeod, 21 of 31, 264 yards, one touchdown, one pick, but also six rushes for 69 yards. Do you have an update on us? Because he left the game for a few snaps, I believe. Was it a knee injury?
3: It was, and just a little tweak. He was fine. They they did some some tests on the sideline, and he came back into the game and actually played better after after he was injured. Um, He was a little... He was kind of hesitant in the first half, didn't play great. He was getting happy feet and um, wasn't standing in like he had been the last couple of weeks. But I don't know if the the injury kind of just calmed him down or whatever it was. But he threw a 53-yard pass to Reggie Brown, who you talked about, had a big game yesterday. And then he got hurt on that play, didn't finish the series. But then his next two series he came in he led them to two touchdown drives. So he, he, he actually played better and used his feet a little bit more after he was injured. So he was, he's fine. I talked to him after the game, said he's a little sore, but no issues whatsoever. And, and he's come a long way. Again, he didn't win the job coming out of fall camp, but he's put his head down. He's worked. He, he got the job back. And he's a guy that has really started to improve and be more consistent. He's a guy that came from Arizona but didn't play much because he got injured, played in five games over a couple years there, didn't play a ton the last two years just because of injuries and different circumstances and, and transferring. And he's finally getting comfortable, getting confident. You can tell now this is his team. The guys are starting to gravitate toward him. And um, he's starting to play really, really good football, which is part of why they're 7-0 right now. I thought Jamie
0: was really resilient last night. 3 nothing at half. Uh, and then... Marshall gets the safety, then they drive down the field, and JMU had that interception that changed the game and then got down the field and got a field goal. It felt like to me that there were a few big third downs that Marshall converted and flipped the momentum, including one where the guy bobbled to himself three times. And then JMU went right down the field and converted a couple big third downs, including a third and long in which McLeod found Reggie Brown in the end zone.
3: This team, you mentioned resilient, and that's the perfect word for this team so far. They're, they're, they haven't always been pretty this year. Um, there's been a couple instances where they've looked really good, but they've just been gritty, gutty. Um, it, it's kind of been workmanlike. And even going back to the UVA game, they're down 11 points. And in, in the fourth quarter, they come back and find a way to win. They go to the defending Sun Belt champs the next week in Troy. They're up 16 to 9 or 16 to 7. They, they, they let the nine point lead almost slip away. They've got to make five consecutive stops with a two point lead in the fourth quarter and do it. Utah State, they're up 24 nothing. Utah State comes flying back. They, they outscore them by 24, tie the game at 38. The defense gets some stops. The offense score, and they find a way to win on the road. South Alabama, they're up big. They have to hold on. The defense makes a stop, gets an interception. So they're just finding different ways to win. All, all these games, especially on the road, there are three consecutive road games, then last night against Marshall, they're just finding ways to win. They're not playing their best. They're not playing as consistent as they want to play, but they're just finding ways, and that, that speaks to the culture of the program, the, the belief that they're going to win football games, because again, that's been instilled in this program for a long, long time, well before Kurt Signetti got here, but he's enhanced it ever since their jump to the FBS. because they, just, they, just, they believe they can win. They can believe that they're going to find a way to win. Even if they're struggling, the defense will get a stop. The offense will get a score. Whatever it is, they believe they can win, and that's why they're 15-3 and three now since moving to the FBS.
0: Dave Rigert with us here on the Hadid Marcerog Cleaning Hotline, radio voice of the James Madison Dukes. Follow him on social media at Dave Rigert. So what's all the talk like around campus and around the program with the rule that they can't play in the bowl game?
3: <laughs> I mean, it's non-stop right now, and honestly, yeah. our fan base, um, and, and, and you know, you were with some fans last night, they, they can get a little obnoxious at times, and <laughs> maybe a little overboard, and, and that's, that's that's a passionate fan base. That's That's why they're called fans. But they don't have to do a lot of that right now. It's the national media that's taken off. Heck, ESPN's broadcast last night, they were all over the NCAA for not allowing JMU to be able to be eligible to play for the Sun Belt Championship. So, honestly, the JMU fans are kind of sitting back and loving this. The more yeah. they w- the more JMU wins, the more national attention it gets. The Athletic put a, a, an article out this week. USA Today has done some stuff. There, there's different publications now that are jumping on board, especially with JMU being 7-0. And people didn't even know this rule until all of this started happening. And, and they're just like, what? They, You mean they can't play for the championship? So it's an archaic rule. It, 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 we've talked about this at length. And, and, and I think people around here know it. But now the national media has really jumped on. It'll be interesting to, interesting to see if anything does happen. Now, I, I don't think it's – I've talked to Keith Gill last week, the commissioner of the Sun Belt. And I put out this scenario, hey, you know, if, if this team's 12-0 and and – it's a chance where they could be in a New Year's Six game to bring in a ton of money for the yeah. Sun Belt. Would they be allowed to play in the conference championship game? And he, he backtracked a little bit from what he said in July when he was just like, well, there's, there's a possibility. He kind of left the door open. Last week he said, well, it would be up to the members of, of the Sun Belt. So it would be the other 13 schools. And I, just, I don't see a scenario where the other teams in the East are going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, go ahead, go into the uh, Sun Belt Championship, don't wait your turn. But if there is a chance where they could bring in a ton of money for all of these schools for the league, if they were undefeated and had a chance to power to go to a new year's six game, you know, maybe they would. It's probably a long shot, but there's so much talk nationally right now about this that man, it has, it has a lot of people with eyes on JMU.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I I understand if, you know, if it's Georgia state at the end of the season and it's Troy and they want to play for the title, but, you know, if JMU's 12-0 and 0 and the other teams are like 9-3, and three, you'd think they would take a step back and say, this could be great for the confidence to get this kind of national notoriety. So when would they have that vote, the rest of the Sunbelt members?
3: I think it probably would have to be after. I don't know exactly, but I'm guessing it would have to wait until after the the regular season is over. So uh, it may happen like that night, maybe after that Saturday night, the last week of the regular season, because again, the Southern Belt Championship is the very next week. And it's on a campus site, so it could be hosted by JMU if they would vote that way. Um, there, there could be some preliminary talks on, on this. Who knows? I, again, I don't know the specifics on that, but um, I would imagine that if they get to 9-0, and 10-0, there's probably going to be some talks about, hey, just – just in case. Let's let's talk about this as a membership. And again, sometimes university presidents um don't always make the right decision for athletic departments. <laughs> but um who knows? I I don't know. It's it's probably a long shot, but if they keep winning, there's gonna be a lot of talk about this and it's gonna be the buzz of college football, I think, for a while.
0: Yep, yeah, just win, baby, win and the story will grow. Right. Dave, great stuff, man. I appreciate it.
3: All right. Anytime, Adam. Thanks, bud.
0: That's Dave Brigert. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Can I get a little NFL theme music stub here as I want to go through our Odyssey NFL Survivor Pool. Big shout-out to... Oh the sales members and DJs who got involved in our NFL survivor pool. Chris you you lasted three weeks you made it three weeks into the season just as good as Josh Michaels producer made one but one correct decision one correct decision the lousy Dallas Cowboys but you know what you followed my pick there week two. Here we are week seven and we are down from 22 teams in the league here to just 15. All right, and the picks are in uh, from our Awad's grandma, who works here at 910, the fan, Ginny. Ginny is a football savant. She's going with the Seattle Seahawks, and a lot of people have jumped on board with Jenny's selection. Uh, Rick is in on the Hawks. We've got Amy in on the Seahawks. Michael Phillips, MP on the mic, on the Hawks. Bees on the Hawks. Gary Hess on the Hawks. Michael Clifford On the Seattle Nope, Clifford has not submitted a pick yet. Jeff Wicker on the Seahawks. So that is where we're at right now. I'm going to zig while everyone else is zagging, though. Uh, Lacey taking the Rams. I really don't like that pick. I just... I I think the Rams are are not the team that everyone thinks that they were going to be this season. That's a pick game against the Steelers. Uh, It's in L.A., so possibly they get the win. I do think it's going to be a low-scoring ugly game. Uh, another pick has come in here on the Vegas Raiders against the Chicago Bears. I do like picking against the Bears most weeks, but I think with Flu's job on the line once again at 1-5, I do think the Bears have a chance to win this game, and I don't think Vegas is really a 4-3 team. They're 3-3. Three and three, They're flukes at 3-3, three and three. but I'm taking the, the biggest win on the board. All right, and That's the biggest lock At minus eight and a half, it actually is the biggest spread. And that's the story we opened the show with on NFL Hit Stub. All right. Everyone in New England, including your buddy Tom realizes that this team is ready to take. All right. They don't want to win games this year. They've got their eyes on the future, on Caleb Williams, on possibly bringing in a new head coach. I still think it'll be Bel Belichick next season. But the Patriots have given up on this year. They're 0-3 at home. They'll be 0-4 at home this weekend. Because they will lose Awad's lock of the week. Lock it in. Throw away the key. Lock it in. The Buffalo Bills to go into Foxborough to win, to cover the eight-and-a-half-point spread, and to make it an over, because I think they'll put up 35 points on the Patriots. Um, That offense is humming with Josh Allen, 13 touchdowns to six interceptions this season. Awad's pick is in. I'm going with the buffalo bills stub if you were still in the, in the tournament here would you follow me
2: yeah probably because i i seahawks were my first pick so i couldn't pick them yep i couldn't go with the with the crowd here yeah so i you're making some points yeah i'd imagine i'd be out of some of the like the <laughs> the bigger ones because i have only used three teams
0: <laughs> seahawks cardinal seahawks at home uh, they have an eight-point spread in that one. All right, I've been teasing you with this all show long. Let's get to it. The biggest game of the weekend, of course, is always my commanders, my skinny skin skins against the New York Giants. This just in from Doug Cameron, who was on Mitch and Finley. He says, I think the commanders will go in and handle the business. He says, the weather for the game, it's going to be chilly. We're talking 52 degrees with 25 miles per hour wins no rain for kickoff but it's going to be cold and windy this just in as well the Giants are down another interior offensive lineman Shane Lemieux tore his bicep during practice Wednesday went to the OR they signed another guy off the street. Now they're gonna sign they're gonna be playing two guys that are watching the NFL on their couch, just like you and me. Now they're gonna be playing offensive line, going up against Ron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Sweat, and Chase Young. Come on now. Look, I said last week, if the commanders lose to the Falcons, it will be the last time you hear me picking my team to win. But you know what? We got the win. So I'm picking my boys again. This offensive line for the Giants is so banged up. Chase Yang and Montez Sweat need to eat. Need to eat all game long. Stop Saquon Barkley. Force a third and long. And then convert and get the sack on third down. And get the heck off the field defense. Do not let the Giants have any success with third down conversions. That's how you get the win. I've got the Commanders winning a low scoring game. The Giants will have a final drive down the field with an opportunity to win. If they get in the end zone and kick the field goal. But the commander's defense, bend but don't break, will give up maybe 350 yards of offense. But we'll have the game-winning interception by Benjamin St. Juice. Benjamin St. Juice. No, I'm going to swap that. Give it Cam Curl. Curl the ball in. Cam Curl with the game-winning interception. The prediction is in. The keys to victory here for AWOD Radio. Number one, have to have a first quarter lead. Number two, over 75 yards receiving for Terry McLaurin. Number three, Giants offensive line is so bad, you got to get four sacks on the game. Final score, AWOD believes the Commanders win 23-17 to 17, thanks to a game-winning interception on the final drive by Cam Curl. It would be victory formation for the final play of the game for the Commanders, and then a victory Monday right here. On 910 The Fan, you've been listening to the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105-1 FM, Richmond's home for the Commanders. Stay right here on 910 The Fan on Sunday starting at 11 a.m. for a two-hour pregame show and then the two-hour postgame show. The gut check, you can hear me part of that, hopefully, after a Commanders win. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stub, thanks for your hard work. Enjoy the Tattoo Festival, and maybe I'll see you at Shuck and Roll.